Well, guys, we are continuing our series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. And I think I mentioned, how many of you guys were here last week? Ooh, Pastor Liz, my beautiful wife, I mean, she gave a message like nobody. I mean, it was so anointed by God. It was probably one of the best messages I've ever heard, possibly in my life. Uh, And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. Uh, So I would encourage you, if you were not here last week, to go on the Spotify or go back on Facebook, go to our website, click whatever media thing that you use, it's posted on all the places, to listen to last week's message. Uh, It really was on a murderous spirit and what unforgiveness is and what it looks like and how it manifests in someone's life and how she gave her testimony and how she was set free from that in forgiving her, her actual earthly father. Uh, and it was super powerful. I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. And the thing with the Sermon on the Mount that I promised you guys is that we're going to walk through verse by verse the entire passage. And no matter what verse was going to pop up, we were going to have to address it. Well, today is going to be about adultery and about lust and about certain things that we all just want to sort of skip over a little bit. And we don't usually hear a lot of messages or sermons on it because they're just like, yeah, you know, we want to hear the fun stuff about faith. We want to hear the fun stuff about healing and miracles. Well, I can tell you that the Lord, every word in this Bible, it's anointed by God. And it is anointed in a way that it speaks truth And it does only what it can go do. And so I don't want to skip any verse when we're reading, and we're not going to skip this verse here uh, as we go through it. The title of my message today, bring up that title there for me, says, I can't see or feel. And I'm going to get into what that means and why I call that, why I made that its title. But God wants us to, God, God wants to bless us, and He loves us, and He cares for us. Sexuality is a good gift from God, and like all things that God gives, they're good within the context on how He created and how He ordained it. According to God's Word, the proper context of sexual activities between the covenant of a man and a woman in marriage. And I read this somewhere, it says, sex within marriage is, is like the fire in the fireplace, Keep it in the fireplace, and it keeps the home safe and warm. Let it out of the fireplace, and it causes untold damage to everyone in its path. And I believe that the Lord has the word to instruct us, and I believe this message is for all of us today, because really what it's going to deal with is the lust and the sin of our heart, and where that is, and how do we combat that, and what do we do to fight against that. I believe it's a very practical message this morning as well. And we have to turn to God's Word to be able to see it. So I can't see or feel. Matthew 5, starting in verse 27. I'm going to read a couple verses, and then we'll go back to each one. You have heard that it was said, to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, I can't see, and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Remember, this is Jesus talking. 
These are Jesus' words. He's given a sermon on the mount. Verse 30 says this, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And I think about this passage, and I'm just like, wow. You know, I feel like we, can, we recognize this passage maybe in, in today's society. We know we've got smartphones, we have access to this and that, and all these things we can see and go look at, and we're inundated with so much information. But this was spoken over 2,000 years ago. You understand that humanity, humans, flesh, the flesh itself has not changed. We have not evolved. We haven't got any better at being able to deal with these things. It's actually, the world seems, has only gotten maybe more challenging. But this is Jesus speaking thousands of years ago, before the internet. Yeah, the internet wasn't around 2,000 years ago. Believe it or not, feels like it's always been here. In high school, I didn't actually have access to the internet. How old is that guy? Right? I know I look a little younger than maybe I am. That's fine. That's good. Thank you, Jesus. All my kids keep me young. But what I'm saying is, look, this is Jesus speaking that. And he makes it a point to point it out right in the middle of his message. And how do we know this is because Jesus is always talking about our hearts. And this is for all of us. God is always more concerned about our heart. Verse 27. Let's go back and look at it. I have heard, and it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, this is something that has dealing with a heart. And what I want to talk about briefly this morning, and this, this, this sin and all, with all other sins, it's the same progression that begins to happen. The same progression. I'll call it the sin progression. And with all sin, they're all are almost identical in how this works, is there's a, we'll call it a look. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's food. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a car. Maybe it's that house. Whatever it is, there's this one look that you say, ah, well look at that. Our eyes are open, our eyes can see, and it gets our attention. And whether or not it's from the Lord, we have to be able to discern that. But if it's not of the Lord, what I will tell you that happens in every situation of circumstance, and the Bible talks about it, is that the enemy will then come and begin to tempt in that area. And I don't know what area it is for you. I don't know if it's, if it's you know, I know there's kids in here, so I was going to keep this as PG-13 as I can, although there's some younger kids in here. But I don't know what it is for you, but it, maybe it's that job. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the house. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's whatever it is, there's this thing that starts to happen. It's just a look. And then the enemy begins to tempt. The Bible says that God does not tempt, but the enemy tempts. And what the enemy does is he'll bring a thought. Oh, do you remember that? Do you remember them? They seem nice to you. They seem this. They seem that. And you begin to get tempted by the enemy over and over and over. And if you don't recognize that, and if you don't see that, and you don't begin to understand that and combat against it, what begins to happen is those thoughts become something like, oh, yeah, well, look at that. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. That wouldn't be. Why not? And you begin to walk down a path of this sin 
progression. And it starts with a look, and then the, tempt- the tempter comes, as the Bible calls it. And you begin to walk down that path. And I believe that really all sin is very much similar to that. Whether it would be gluttony, laziness, pride, even unforgiveness. It's this little, this little thing that says, oh yeah, look at that. You say, oh, that wouldn't be too bad. I have a challenge with Mighty Fine Donuts. And I know I always get those for our, like we have them for our baptism. That was a challenge for me. I could eat an entire box. I'm making son of a fun example because we do have kids in here, but you guys know that this applies to all areas of our life. But Mighty Fine Donuts, it's a look. And a little bit of a smell. My olfactories start going, hmm. That smells pretty good. I could, maybe I'll have one. Maybe I'll have two. Hmm. Maybe three, maybe four. And I begin to eat donut after donut after donut after donut. It's like, oh, you'll be fine. Your stomach doesn't hurt. Keep eating the donuts. And all of a sudden, you're seven, eight donuts in. And then you're like, oh, what have I done? Now, this applies to every area of our life. That that's what happens. It's funny when you think about it as a donut. But it's not so funny when it's with another person. Which out of the context of marriage, it's not quite as funny, and it's painful, and it's challenging. So we have to recognize that there's this sin progression, and we have to recognize that there are things we can do, that God has given us tools, and he's given us the Holy Spirit, and he's given us things that we can use to combat against these things. He says that God shows us in his word over and over, look, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. If you remember, how did Satan tempt Jesus? He tempted him with the word, he tempted him with all these things, and how did Jesus combat it? With the word of God. And so God, Jesus himself, has given us ways to show on how to go do this. But what I can tell you is this, and I want you to understand this, this is very important. That those sins that we're talking about and that you're seeing, they are rooted in something deeper. They are rooted in something way, way, way deeper. And the enemy loves to distract, he loves to lie, he loves to tempt, he loves to do all of those things. But those, and I've seen it in, through counseling, through pastoring, through articles, through my, even my own life, sin in my own life is rooted in something far deeper than the sin that I'm actually participating in, that I'm partnering with. And one of the things that I want you guys to know today is we must be diligent to know where our heart stands. We, as Christians, those who have accepted Jesus, we have to continually ask ourselves questions about our heart. Eh, That's all touchy-feely, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. I actually dislike doing it. I'm being honest. But what I've realized is that if I don't do it, if I don't begin to ask the Lord the next question, why am I acting that way? What in my heart, what lie am I believing? What is going on deep in my heart that God wants to root out? And it gets exposed most of the time through our sin. Say, Lord, why do I keep doing this? And we try to put in all these, honestly, even with like, you know, guys and looking at things, we try to put in all these things in place. Well, I'm going to put a shield on my phone and I'm going to do like an accountability thing that it sends email. None of that stuff works because you'll figure out a way to get around all of it. It's pretty much garbage. 
It's, an, it's a great attempt to deal with the sin right in front of you, but what it's missing is the heart of the sin. What's missing is deep down inside there's something causing you to want to go look at that because you want to avoid something. It's easier. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. All these things begin to bubble up on the inside, but if you never ask the question, you just keep fighting the same sin over and over and you never get to the root cause of the actual sin. And so we as people of God in His kingdom, He's asking us to be diligent to know where our heart is. Lord, so when, so when, you know, Pastor Andy and I do this, and he is, you know, sort of, like if I, you know, do whatever it is, I always have to, I'm going to promise you, Andy, I'm coming to you, man, if anything happens. So I always, and we always ask ourselves, like, why are you struggling with that? What is, it's not the struggle itself, but what is underlying behind it, underneath it, at the root that God wants to expose and show and deal with in our hearts? And we ask ourselves these questions, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What issue is in my heart you're trying to raise? And we see sin on the surface level, whatever it might be that you're challenged with, but we have to go deeper. It's almost like it's three questions deep. You know, have you ever shown them say, you have to ask why three times? Why? Well, why am I doing that? Okay. Well, why are you doing that? And you end up coming back to, there's a hurt, there's a wound, there's some trauma that could be way back from your childhood that you've been trying to put away for so long, but you are acting out of that wound. You are acting out of that childhood trauma that you have, and you almost don't even realize it. But what the Lord is asking us to go do is to get into that. Because he cares about the heart. That's what he cares about. He cares about our heart. We have to be diligent to know where our heart stands. And usually sin is in the dark. It's alone. It's in our hearts. But it has to be exposed. And the way to expose it is to shed light on it. And the way to shed light on it is to invite Jesus in and to begin to ask Him to show you, why am I doing this thing over and over and over again? Lord, begin to reveal that to me. Begin to show that to me. Begin to ask God those questions. What is it? And Jesus will provide a way. Verse 29. <clears throat> Here it is. I can't see or I can't feel. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Cast it from you. It's more profitable for you than one of your members to perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cast it from you. It's more profitable for you than for your members to perish than your whole body to be cast into hell. He gives two different examples. He's talking about your eyes. He's talking about your hands. And what I see in this is what God is saying is for us to ruthlessly cut sin out of our life. Ruthlessly cut it out. And we're going to talk about how do we actually do that. But God wants us to just, when we see it, he wants us to dig deep and understand and be in partnership with other people to help us break through the bounds of sin that are holding us back in areas of our life. God doesn't do that so we can't have fun. God's the God of fun. He's funny, actually. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? Like, so much so. You're like, what was that? You know, God likes numbers too. It's amazing what God does with numbers. But 
What he's asking us to go do is to ruthlessly cut the sin out of our life and these lies that we're believing because we keep walking in the sin and he has forgiven us of those sins. And hallelujah for Jesus and what Jesus has done. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to be stuck in our sin. He wants us to help us to get through it. He'll never leave us there because he loves us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, says, no sacrifice, listen to this, no sacrifice is too great if it enables, if it enables us to conquer a lust which cuts us off from Jesus. No sacrifice is too great than that. So what do we do? How do we do this? I told you I'd give you some practical things. I think you guys all understand this is something we need to go do in our lives. So practically, what do we do? The first thing we have to go do is we have to invite Jesus in. You got to invite him in. Invite him in right in the middle of the sin. You're having trouble with something? Invite Jesus in. I've been there. I've done that. I said, Lord Jesus, I need you right now. My anger is boiling up and boiling over. I'm about to explode. Jesus, I invite you in right now. You know when you begin to say that and pray that, he will come. And he begins to change the circumstance and the situation in which you're in. Right in the middle of it. My wife, she'd always tell us, like in the middle of a fight, she'll just pray to Jesus. And the whole atmosphere begins to change. I'm like, yo, what's going on? Come on. I'm like, why are you not responding? What's happening? I thought we were in a fight. Let's go. And she's like calm as a cucumber all of a sudden. I'm like, what is going on? I'm angry. I want to say things that I'm going to regret later. That's what I want to do right now. That's what I'm ready to do. She's like, I invited Jesus in this situation. Oh, come on. And then you, that's when you take your ball and you go home, right? Like, come on. But it does. It actually changes the circumstance and the situation. When, even when you're in the middle of the sin, you say, Jesus, I invite you in here. I can't do this alone anymore. I need your help right now with this situation. And you will begin, to, it doesn't mean like, oh, well, then everything's going to get perfect immediately. But you invite him in. You say, Lord, I'm willing for you to do a work in my life that I cannot do on my own. Jesus, I invite you into this situation. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. What is the real issue here? We have to get honest with ourselves. We have to get honest with ourselves. So we invite Jesus in, and then we have to guard a few things. The first thing we have to guard is our heart. We have to guard our heart. We have to tend to our heart. We have to ask those questions. How do you guard something if you don't know where it is? Basketball season's going on right now. If you're supposed to guard somebody and they're over there, you can't be standing over here. Like, go. Where, where are they? In order to guard your heart, you got to know where it is. So before you even guard it, you got to go find it. You got to say, Jesus, what's going on in my heart right now? What is it that's challenging? What, why am I feeling this way? Why am I acting this way? Lord, begin to reveal it to me. Begin to show it to me. And then don't ask that prayer and then go turn on the TV. I'll do, I do that. You know, I was like, all right, Lord, I'm feeling like this or whatever. Let's see if the Eagles are winning. Right? Like, you got to take your heart for a walk. Yeah, come on, guys. Can we take our hearts for a walk periodically 
ask the question, get alone with God, and just go for a little quiet walk. And say, Lord, show me. Reveal to me. In order to guard our hearts, we got to know where it is. got to ask those questions. We have to get, understand it. Next thing we got to do is we have to guard our eyes. Look, things will pop up. I mean, you can't... I'm looking at all of you right now. Right? We have to guard our eyes. We have to be diligent in a way that not just guards our heart, but we have to guard our eyes. Matthew 6.22 says this, that the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you in the darkness, how great is that darkness? We have to make it a habit and a practice of guarding our eyes. If you're challenged or struggling with something, I encourage you to get that app off of your phone. There's things you can do in the practical, but what, let me tell you again, you have to understand the root of what it is. And if it's the flesh that's driving it, one way to break that is to fast. People don't like to fast. I don't like to fast. It's terrible. It hurts. It's painful. It's awful. But you want to get your flesh in line where it needs to be, which is behind your spirit man, and have your spirit man in control, or your spirit woman to be in control, then you need to lay some things down and you need to begin to fast. Say, Lord, I'm struggling with this, but I'm going to begin to fast. I'm going to get my flesh in line where it needs to be, and my spirit man to be in control. You read that scripture, I can't remember where it is with, when uh, the Apostle Paul's talking about, I do what I did, wish I didn't do, and then I do it anyway, and then I wanted to do it, but I don't want to do it, and I keep on doing it anyway. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's struggling just like you and me. He's like, oh, man, I can't believe I did that again. That's Paul talking. Come on. Let's get real, guys. This is real life. This can be a challenge and a struggle. We have to guard our eyes. We have to make it so that we, and my, my children, God bless them, they do a great job at this. I think I told you this story before, like, you know, because we watch a lot of sports, and the commercials that are on sports are like, ooh, right? There's a lot of stuff going on, horror movies, all kinds of stuff. And I'll walk into the room, and they're watching TV, and I'm not in there, and they'll all be going like this. Because they know that they have to guard their eyes. Because the dreams and the nightmares, I, I mostly do it for selfish reasons. I'm like, kids, block your eyes so that you don't wake me up in the middle of the night with a nightmare. Right? Most of the stuff I do is selfishly driven. I know, I'm sorry. I'm being honest. Don't we all this way? Don't raise your hand. I'm just doing that because I'm just being selfish right now. But anyway, of course I don't want my kids to have nightmares, but that wakes me up. So that's a problem for me personally, right? So, but honestly, there's this thing is you have to, like, you can't stop the look from happening, but you can stop it from continuing to come. And there's ways that we can guard our eyes to do that. And then guard your mind. Church, we have to guard our mind. We have to take captive the thoughts, those temptations that you hear. When you begin to hear them, you begin to say, oh, yeah, that's not so bad. Go ahead and do that. Go ahead, Pastor Jason, have another donut. Go back to the donut example for the PG version of this message. Go ahead, another donut won't be too bad. Just another one. Just another one. You have to begin to hear those thoughts and see what the enemy is trying to go do and say, in the name of Jesus, I take captive that thought. 
and I make it obedient to Christ. And you say, but I keep thinking about it. I keep wanting to do it. I keep having this challenge. I want to go do it. I can tell you what, when you begin to speak in your prayer language, when you begin to speak in your prayer language, if you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit and you begin to speak in your prayer language, you begin to pray in tongues, what it does is it edifies you. And what it actually does, it kind of clear, for me, it clears my mind like right now. And when those words are coming from the enemy and that temptation is coming from the enemy and I begin to speak in my spiritual language and pray in my spiritual language, a minute goes by, I'm just like, oh yeah. Absolutely, what was I thinking about before? Come on now, right? So there's ways that we can guard our mind using our prayer language. And then guard your mind is, this is one of the most important ones, is do not walk in condemnation. Man, you get stuck in condemnation. I, I can't believe I did that. I'm so terrible. I'm horrible. I'm rotten. Yeah. You are not any of those things. Because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not horrible. You're not rotten. You're not beneath. You're not below. Yes, you, do you have sin in your life? Yes. Do I have sin in my life? Yes. Does Jesus want to root it out, ruthlessly eliminate that sin? Absolutely. But he does not want us ever to walk in condemnation. And we have to see and hear that. Be like, because when we get stuck in condemnation, ah, what does it matter anymore? I'm just a terrible person. You are not a terrible person. That is not how God created you. Are you struggling with something? Maybe. But you're not alone. You're not the only one. So do not walk in condemnation. And the last point is, church, we got to fight. We have got to fight. We cannot lay down and expect that just the enemy's going to be like, oh yeah, sure, I'll leave you alone. You can't pick up your phone and think, oh yeah, all images that I don't want to see will just never come on my phone anymore. How wonderful is that? That does it. You, we have to fight. We have to take a stand, church. God has given us tools and the ability to fight. When, as I talked earlier, when Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He used the word of God. If there's something that you're struggling with, there's a scripture you need to go find and you need to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Jake, if you want to come up here. And here's what I would tell you is do not fight alone. Number one, you have the Holy Spirit with you. But two, you've got brothers and sisters in Christ who are ready and willing and able to be stand with you side by side and take up that battle with you. And say, you know what, I am ready to fight with you. The Bible says about confessing our sins one to another so that we can be healed. There's freedom in that. And we can fight this battle. We do not have to fight alone. We've got the Holy Spirit with us and we can use his word, but we can find someone and pray for someone to come into our lives so that we can do this battle not by ourselves. Stand with me this morning. I want to give you guys some truths over each one of you today. Because I want you to leave here knowing who you are in Christ. That no matter the battle, no matter the challenge, whatever it is that you are wanting more than Jesus in your life, and we all have these things, 
that you will walk out of here saying, you know what? I can do this because God is with me. I can do this because I have Jesus on my side. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted. So he knows and he understands. And I want us to know this morning that we can invite him in. We can guard our hearts, our eyes, our mind, and we can fight because we are his children. So just close your eyes this morning. I'm going to read a couple things over you. I want just to settle deep into your spirit, deep into your spirit, man, this morning. to receive this as God's word over you, who you really are, to empower you to fight the battle that you're in. Church, the Lord would say to you that you are a child of God. You are born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God which lives and abides forever. Church, you are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. Church, you are a new creation in Christ. Church, you are forgiven of all of your sins and washed in His blood. Church, you are delivered from the power of the darkness and translated into God's kingdom. Church, you are redeemed from the curse of the sin, of sickness and poverty. Church, you are a doer of the word and you are blessed in your actions. Church, you are a joint heir with Christ. Church, you are more than a conqueror through Him who loves you. Church, you are an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. Church, you are an ambassador for Christ. Church, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ. Church, you are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a purchased people. Church, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Church, you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Church, you are firmly rooted, built up, established in faith and overflowing with gratitude. And church, you are his elect. You are full of mercy, of kindness, of humility, and long-suffering. So Lord, we just come before you today with humble hearts, Lord. Father, we ask that you would show us, reveal to us, the state of our heart. Reveal to us the true reasons, the lies, the trauma, the challenges that you are exposing in our life so that we can be healed. Father, strengthen us to guard our hearts, our minds, our eyes. Father, strengthen us to be bold enough 
to go to someone and say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I need help. And Lord, you will encourage us. You will show us that we are not alone. So Lord, as we leave this place today, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us and for us and that you go before us in all things. In your precious name.